we are preparing. I know that this is a little different. Thank you so much for all of your um, flexibility. There's nothing wrong with this technology. I just had it on my heart this morning that we're going to try something different. I know sometimes we can be really reliant upon um, technology, and I think this is going to be an opportunity for us to simplify, for us to focus on what it is that God wants to say to us, and for us to focus on developing our relationship with him, which this, with this time, is supposed to be about any way. And so as you're getting your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles that are available. Um, just lift your hand, and I know that there will be someone who will be kind enough to put one into your hands. And we're going to read them together this morning as we get through the scriptures. And I'm not sure if we're doing this for today. I'm not sure if we're doing it for this series. I'm not sure if we're doing it for this summer. But I definitely want for us to allow God to lead us in whatever direction he is taking us. Amen? All right. And so today, we're kicking off a brand new series, one that I think is really going to help us to gain a level of wisdom for our daily lives. Anybody feel like they could benefit from wisdom? Amen. Albert Einstein said, wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of the lifelong attempt to acquire it. And Charles Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Thankfully, our Bible has a lot to say about wisdom as well. And over these next few weeks, we're going to get an opportunity to see straight from the word of God what it is that he has to say. And time and time again, we will find that the biblical writers paint a picture, a beautiful image for us that if we obtain wisdom, we will obtain growth. Growth for our lives, growth for our businesses, growth for our marriages, our relationships, our families, and our friendships. Really growth in every area. And this is what I believe will be produced from this series is growth. Somebody say that with me, growth. Spiritual growth. And I believe that as a church, that's something that we value. I know a lot of times we can value growth in a lot of different ways. We can um, value financial growth. We can value um, numerical growth. But I think that one of the things that he has pressed upon my heart for us in this season is for us to continue to hold in high esteem the benefit of spiritual growth. Now, we talked about that a little bit last week when we were just really thinking about the graduation season. And remember how we were thinking about how as the graduates are graduating from college and high school and even elementary school and kindergarten, that we recognize that we have endured some trials, some seasons, some tests that allowed us to grow and allowed us to graduate where we are not in the same place that we used to be. And I think that in order for us to evolve, 
on that path of continuing to grow spiritually, to not be the place that we used to be. Maybe we're not exactly where we want to be, not quite yet, but that we would not be stuck in the same place. Anybody want to get out of the same place? Who wants to just be stuck in the same place? Imagine being stuck from a graduation standpoint. Imagine being stuck in the seventh grade for seven years. Nobody wants to stay stuck in the same place. And I think as Christians, because we don't have that precise graduation of grade to grade, it's easy to miss when we're not growing, when we're stagnant when we're stuck spiritually in the same place. And so this is going to get us unstuck. As we are looking at the word, as we are spending time in this series, that is our focus, that is our goal. And so that's why I wanted to kind of peel back every distraction. I don't want anybody to worry about the media. I don't want anybody to worry about the slides. I don't want anybody to worry about the child care, any of these things. I want everybody to be able to focus on Father God, what is it that you're saying to me in this season, and how do I grow? Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So now that you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And then anyone who's using the house Bible, once you get there, tell me what page so I can tell everyone else what page is on in the house Bible. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 1. And then we're going to look at verse 7. What page is that in the House Bible? 313. All right. So if you're using the Blue House Bible, you're turning to page 313. Did I get that right? We're going to begin discussing a popular misconception that many of us have about fear. And it comes starting right here with verse 7. Somebody, I would love... I'm going to do something else different this morning as well. Is this mic still on? All right. Yep, this is still on. Do you have Proverbs 1-7? All right. Would you read that for us? All right. Let's read it as follows. Proverbs 1, verse 7 reads as, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Ooh. You can turn it off and keep it down. We're going to pass it along as we go. I'm going to read that in the New Living. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, let's think about that for a second. I know a lot of us have fears. And so when we think of our fears, we kind of maybe translate this incorrectly. So I want us to break that down as we go through the message today. What's something that is commonly feared? Or something maybe that you fear. Anybody? Failure. Woo! Fear of failure. That's a good one. Anything else? Fear of the dark? Fear of the unknown? Fear of spiders? Rejection. See, when we think of fear, normally it is of something that because of that fear, it causes us to take several steps back. It may cause us not to go forward in a venture because we're afraid of failing. It may cause us not to turn all the lights off because we're afraid of the dark. 
it may cause us not to get completely invested in a relationship because we're afraid of rejection. Fear typically has the impact of causing us to go in the opposite direction of where we would have otherwise gone had it not been for that fear. But this is something that's different as we examine and study this scripture when we're talking about fear of the Lord. We're talking about a reverence. Now, I know many of you parents can identify with this because, you know, sometimes we think about this new generation and we think about how it seems like they are fearless, right? And how as a result, they just just don't do things the way we expect things to be done. In our generation, when mama said something, what? That was the end of it, right? If daddy said no, that was the end of it, right? But we feel like with this new generation, it's like they'll pop off. You know, they don't have that same fear. I know I've been talking to my husband a couple times, and as you know, his mom passed when he was very young. And a lot of times we'll go through situations and he'd be like, I sure wish Josephine was here. If Josephine was here, she would get it all the way together because they had, they commanded a certain amount of fear. And not from a standpoint of abuse, but of a standpoint of reverence. When we think about fear in this context, it may be able to help us as we prepare to examine this scripture. I want us to discuss the fear of the Lord. Somebody say fear of the Lord. Now here's the question we're going to tackle as we examine this. Is the Bible telling us that we need to be scared of God? Is that what I mean when I'm saying fear of the Lord? Let's look at the scripture. The Bible provides us the answer to this question. And if we want to have true wisdom in life, we begin with a fear of the Lord. Now, I wanted to share with you a a little journey I went on. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, like many of you, I started by saying, I want to read the Bible from cover to cover. And so I didn't skip around. I didn't read like a little piece here and then go another piece. I'm very methodical, and it's probably not the best way to read the Bible, but I literally started at the front and went page by page until I got to the back. Now, as I was going through, (laughs) I developed a healthy fear of the Lord because I started in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament It was a different type of experience. There was not Jesus Christ yet. There was not grace yet. And so they were living under the law. And there was this one point that I got to that really scared me where God had given them the instructions about not to touch the tabernacle. Anybody remember this story? And as they were carrying the tabernacle, it the um, the oxen that was like taking the cart, they must have hit a bump of some sort. So the tabernacle kind of like shifted. And someone went to grab it to stop it from falling. And what happened? Got smoke. You know what smoke means, right? God killed him right there on the spot. He said, don't touch the tabernacle. Don't touch the tabernacle meant don't touch 
the tabernacle. It didn't mean don't touch it as long as it's not, you know, hitting a bump. It meant don't touch. And as I studied that, I said, okay, Lord, help me to understand this. Because it looks like he had great intentions. Why did he get punished? Why did he die when he was only trying to do something that seemed like it was right? And God helped me to understand right early on that that's where we get in trouble a lot of times. Doing what we think is right. Making our own interpretation of God's word. Veering a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right because what we saw in the word didn't seem to be something I needed to follow on this instance. And so he made an example to make it very clear from the outset I meant what I said. Some of us need to remember that this morning. He meant what he said. The word of God is true. He inspired them to write it because it was important. And then he challenges us to read it, not for technical guidance, but for our way of life. Not just as a, you know, a brief that we can consider and say, ah, I probably would do it a different way. But this is our bread. This is what leads us. This is what directs us. This is what guides us. And we've got to be careful to begin to follow it more precisely. That's what I mean when I say fear of the Lord. That was what began to begin ingrained in my mind as I was reading the Old Testament is, oh, he's not playing. I need to follow what it is that God is saying to me. And what we are going to discover in this series is if we start from that vantage point, if we start from the point that I fear God, I understand what it is that he is saying and what he is asking of me, and because of this reverence, I am going to obey him, it is the beginning of all knowledge. It is the beginning of all growth. It is the beginning of everything else that you will need to excel when you begin from that starting point. So I want us to be able to see that if we are to be afraid, it is to be afraid of disappointing God. This concept means we can't answer this question, though, by just reading one verse. I want us to look at a couple of them as we go through today. And so I want to talk for a moment, maybe you all remember the one about Joshua and his army circling the walls of Jericho. Anybody remember this story? Now we know that he circled those walls several times before they came falling down. Turn with me to Joshua 1.9. I need my young people to get Bibles because I want y'all to read too. All right, who has a Bible? I want somebody to read Joshua 1.9. I want somebody else to read Joshua 1.9 for me and tell me what page it's on in your Bible. Joshua 1.9. You got it? Who got it? <laughs> Wait, I'm going to have somebody else different read it. Who has it? Back there? Yes. What is your name? 
Hi, Tony. Are you going to read that for me? The coolest scene right now is how God's orchestrating this. Is Tony it's gave on your bracelet? Tony gave me this bracelet over a year ago with Joshua 1 9 on it, y'all. Wow. So how cool is that? Yeah, that's it. And right now there. he's going to read us Joshua Amen. 1 9. Amen. Amen. All right, let me hear it. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither thou dismayed. For the Lord of thy God is with thee, whithsoever thou goest. All right, I'm getting chills too, Daniel. Let me read that to you in the New Living Translation. It says, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Somebody say, do not be afraid. Or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this is an often quoted scripture, right? Some of you have it on your bracelet. Some of you have t-shirts that say this. I remember when my kids were in school, that was like the slogan for the year. The songs that we sing with this end, we know this, right? We know this. I don't know, right? Because sometimes we know how to quote the scripture. But this is where we get to apply the scripture. Do you see what God says in it first? First, he tells Joshua that there is no reason for him to be afraid of the task at hand, that which God has called him to. But then the Lord goes further. The Lord gives Joshua the reason that he should not be afraid. Do you see what the reason was? Somebody tell me, what was the reason he said not to be afraid? The Lord is with you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Now we got to let that marinate for a second. And as you let that marinate, begin to think. Now remember about 10 minutes ago I said, what are you afraid of? Some of us said failure. Some of us said rejection. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. What is it that you are afraid of? Now, look at what God is saying to us. He's saying that, what is it that you need to be afraid of if I am with you? Wherever you go, I will be with you. Does that kind of shift the perspective as you're moving forward? If you're visualizing, see, I'm a very visual person. I need you to visualize this with me. Can you literally visualize? Come here, Curtis. Now, I called you because you were young. I thought you was going to move fast. <laughs> All right. Can you move with me wherever I go real fast, though? Because I'm going to move faster than this. You got it? You got it? All right. Now, I need you to visualize this with me. If the Lord is with me wherever I go, I know that that means that I'm not alone in this. Sometimes we feel like, I can't do this. I'm alone in this. Sometimes we feel like, I can't do this. I don't have the knowledge. I can't do this. I don't have the credit score. I can't do this. I don't have the money. I can't do this. I don't have the degree. I can't do this. But if the Lord is with you, wherever it is that you're going, doesn't that change your perspective of what you can do? Amen. Thank you, young man. Come on, let's give him a big round of applause. 
He said, I ain't up for all this. I work in the back. I'm normally on the slides. I'm in the background. Y'all got me on the stage. I appreciate you, young man. Joshua is taught here what it means to gain wisdom by beginning with a fear of the Lord. Essentially, Joshua understands by now that what God is calling him to do will not be accomplished on his own will. Now, that's kind of where, if we just being completely transparent, that's where I kind of have to have a daily reminder. Thank God for devotions. I have to daily, you know how you daily take a shower? I hope. You know how you daily brush your teeth? I have to daily bathe myself in the word because I, this part here, I will forget. I'm on autopilot on self-effort. I'm on autopilot with roll your sleeves up and get in and, and do what you got to do. And I have to constantly remind myself what I'm saying to you this morning is, for what we're talking about that you were afraid of, for those dreams that seemed impossible, for that assignment that seems unachievable, please don't do it by yourself. <laughs> Please don't attempt to go in on your own strength. That's the quickest way to get smote. Y'all learned a new word today, right? Smote. We've got to remember that we are able to because we are doing this with God. And as we take him with us wherever we go, and see, now that has some catches to it, doesn't it? Since we're taking Jesus with us everywhere that we go, we can't go everywhere. Think of some of the places we want to go. Do you really want to take Jesus there with you? We've got to remember that he is with us. And because he is with us, we will not fail. By recognizing this, Joshua is able to understand that God's strength and power are truly beyond anything of this world. That's what we say, supernatural. Supernatural. It seems to be then that the first step of this process of gaining wisdom is understanding that God doesn't have to use us for anything he just chooses to. God didn't have to use us. He just chooses to. Look at 1 Peter 2 and 9. Begin getting ready to pass the mic. Who's ready for me? 1 Peter 2 and 9. Lady Chappelle, can you read that for me when you get there? Bring it all the way over here, Daniel, to this beautiful woman in the corner. 1 Peter 2 and 9. What page is that in the house Bible, someone? Someone that has the house Bible, the blue Bible, what page is it? 586. So if you're still trying to get there, we are at page 586 of the Holy Bible. And we're going to read 1 Peter 2 and 9. And it reads, But you are a chosen people, Woo. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That reads in the New Living Translation, but you are a chosen race. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises. I got to sit there for a second. I hadn't planned on it, but I need to sit here for a second. God is saying we are chosen. Do you remember what it felt like? Maybe this never happened to you. It happened to me. Do you remember what it felt like to be in elementary school and we're about to play kickball and they picking teams and they say, I'm going to take Daniel. We're like, all right. Next person say, I want Tony. Okay. Next person say, I want Charles. Okay. I know they're coming to me. And then you're the last one standing. Oh, all right, come on. You can be on my team. <laughs> you weren't even chosen. You just by default got stuck. They got stuck with you. Do you remember what that felt like? <laughs> Do you remember the rejection? Now you don't even want to play kickball no more, right? Just, I want to go home. Being chosen. God chose you. We are a royal priesthood. We weren't chosen last. We're not an afterthought. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you to be a part of this family. That's why we call each other sister and brother. We are a family. We are brought together by one umbrella of Christ. So that means before I'm a Republican or a Democrat, I'm a Christian. Before I'm black or I'm white, I'm a Christian. Before I'm male or I'm female, I'm a Christian. I am chosen by God. He has chosen us. And so when we begin to think of it from that standpoint, again, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about how do we get wisdom. And we're talking about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so as we begin to fear God and we begin to press into him and we begin to understand his structure and his plans for us plans for good and not for evil plans to bring us to an expected end and as we begin to center our life and our decisions around the plans of God that's how we get this wisdom that's how we get to begin to receive and to see the blessings that we are praying for because oftentimes we go about it trying to do things in our way. We, we forget that his word says what? His ways are what? Not our ways. His thoughts are what? Not our thoughts. We got to think at a totally different level. We can't operate in our flesh with our plans, the way we think things need to go. But if we would get into his plan, and if we would fear him enough that we would say, no, I can't, I really can't deviate from this in any way because I fear God. I fear God. I respect that he took the time to give me these instructions and that these instructions need to be followed to the T. 
Ain't nothing worse. I follow a couple influencers on Instagram, and every once in a while, they will have like a really cool recipe, and it'll look so good, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to try that. And then other people will try it, and then I'll read the comments before I go buy all these ingredients to make sure it's going to actually taste good. And as I'm reading the comments, you'll hear people bashing them. This recipe was awful. This wasn't any good. But if you keep reading the comments, you'll see they made a whole bunch of substitutions. They told you to use milk, and then you decided you was going to go use oat milk. They told you to use this, and you said you're allergic to this, so you trans, you use something totally different. Do you realize that changed everything? It shifted the whole recipe. The recipe wasn't designed with that ingredient in mind. You might have to do it a little different. That may have more liquid. That may have less liquid. You understand what I'm saying? How often do you think we do this with the word of God? Where he has given us precise instruction exactly of what he wants us to do. But then we make a little alteration. Well, I'm going to leave that part out. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I mean, a little alteration couldn't hurt. And then be sitting here like, this is terrible. God didn't come through for me. God didn't deliver. Well, you didn't do anything he told you to do. Oh, well, oh, wait a minute. I, I feel like I'm getting too close. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. But the fear of the Lord does not just bring us to the point of increasing wisdom. It is the foundation of knowledge. It is the foundation of knowledge. It's nice to be the smartest person in the room if you're into that thing. Me personally, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. But what kind of knowledge is the writer of Proverbs talking about? What kind of knowledge is truly the best in this world? If you were to look at Proverbs 1-7 again with me, you'll see that the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So it seems to be having this fear of the Lord which we are talking about today, is actually meant to lay a certain foundation for any knowledge to be gained. Let me reframe it this way. If you've ever dealt with children, and, and I have a couple, they kind of have a tendency when they think they have the plan or the instruction to run a couple feet ahead. And they start moving and they start doing, you're like, no, 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 wait, hold on, wait, honey, wait, wait, one, one second, that's not what I was going to say. But if you know anything about kids, they have already laid the foundation, they have already started, you're like, okay, no, we're going to have to take that apart. See, when we have the fear of the Lord, it becomes the foundation of our knowledge because it stops us from running ahead. It causes us to be patient. It causes us to wait on the Lord. I would have to say to you, that has been one of the most valuable lessons I have had to learn as a Christian, is to wait on the Lord. I mean, wait. Like, don't do nothing until he tell you what he wants you to do. Because what I have learned in my 50 years of life is that if I don't do it that way, 
I go about it, I'm building it, I'm building it in a way that I think is right, the way that makes sense, the way that Susan did it, the way that John told me he did it, and I'm all on my way building it, and then when I do hear from God, now I got to go back seven steps. If you've ever built something, that's not fun. You know how they got steps? And you know, I know this has happened to you. You get to that page in the instruction and you realize, oh, I did something wrong, so now you got to unravel everything you did on all the other pages to get to start over again. Unless you like some of y'all, and some of you are like, I don't care, just keep going. It'll be all right. You begin to realize it would have just been better for me to just wait than for me to run ahead and realize that I'm not doing this the way that's going to be profitable. I'm not doing this in the way that it's going to serve me well. I'm not doing this in the way that's going to bring about the desired outcome or the desired results. And so when we have that fear of the Lord, that's why it is the foundation of this knowledge because it gives us the ability to be like, I ain't doing nothing until I hear from God. Y'all can talk about me. Y'all can say I'm behind. Y'all could be building your house. Your house could be 10 times as better than mine. I'm still going to wait. Somebody declare, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how far behind you see. See, that's what that supernatural does. See, when you wait on the Lord and then when the Lord speaks to you, he will give you the ability that when you do it, you'll be able to do 10 years work in 10 days. Do I have any witnesses? It's worth the wait. And that's why we said fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So are you beginning to put together that I'm not talking about fear of the Lord from a standpoint that it's just going to be this brutal, abusive power that's just reigning over your life and you have no joy and no excitement and no happiness? We're not talking about what the devil is trying to tell us fear of the Lord is. We're talking about a fear that gives you a reverence that teaches you how to respect what the word says and wait on God to perform his word so that when you do get it, you can enjoy it. Amen. Because the blessings of the Lord do what? It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. That's why we want it to come from him. That's why we want to build our foundation on him. All right, let's, let's finish up. This helps us answer the question of what knowledge in this world is best and most important. Knowledge of who God is and what he is about. When we get that knowledge, it's a lot harder for people to trip us up. It's a lot harder for the enemy to come and speak to us and give us ideas because we are able to say, mm, that don't line up with the word. You know God. You know God. Some of you know your spouses. Some of you know your best friends. Some of you know your little sister or your little brother. And there's certain little things that people could say that you would be like, mm, that don't even sound like him. They don't even use those vocabulary words. They don't even do that. It would be your tip that this ain't true. As we are studying God and we are learning him and we are learning his word, it is what we need to navigate life. 
So when the enemy is whispering to us, and trying to trip us up and trying to get us off our game, we are able to be like, uh, that don't even sound like God. Let me get back into his presence. Let me spend a little bit more time with him so I can get clarity. So I, we're not falling for those tricks anymore. That is how we're building knowledge. That is how we're gaining wisdom. We're following Jesus Christ and his teaching. That is what true knowledge can provide for us as we seek to grow in wisdom and understanding. So final point, it will produce good judgment. Today you may still be wanting some more personal application. We've talked about the fact that obedience to God is often a result of gaining true knowledge and wisdom. But what about the day-to-day -day work we do? Go to Proverbs 9:10 for our last scripture. Proverbs 9, 10. I don't mean to call anybody out. Who wants to read it for me? Proverbs 9, 10. We got somebody? Lift, raise their hand. Tell me your name. Pastor Tony. Can we give Pastor Tony the mic? Yeah. 9 and 10. Can somebody tell me what page is on? We got two Tonys here today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Thank you, sis. It's page 316 if you're in the house Bible. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When we know God intimately, we can find it easier. When we know God intimately, we can find it easier. Now, for my illustration now, I'm thinking of something that's pretty corny, but just stick with me. You know, I like to watch a lot of FBI shows, and when they want to get information, one of the things that they do is they send in an asset. That asset does what? They blend in. They go undercover. They spend time with the gang, with the prospect, the suspect, whoever it is, they spend time because it's easier to understand the plot that they're planning to destroy whatever the city is if you have an understanding of the source. They get that. And I think a lot of us, we don't get that. We don't spend a lot of time with the source and expect to have the elaborate plan all laid out. We're confused about, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I go into this relationship? Should I not? Should I be in this place or should I not? But really, we don't have to be confused. We just need to do what? Spend some time with the source. Spend some time with Jesus. I was feeling real, 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 real bad on, was it last Monday? If you guys follow me on Instagram, you know. All I was doing was crying. I mean, every time I just thought about it, as you know, my daughter graduated from high school and she's getting ready to leave and go to college. And even though she keeps laughing, she's like, mom, I'm not leaving for two months. I know, but I'm anticipating the departure. And not only was I anticipating the departure, I made the mistake, don't ever do this, y'all. I went back through old photo albums 
I was looking at her with the little puff balls and little two little baby, and then looking at her getting on the school bus with a little backpack for kindergarten. I was just crying and crying and crying. And then I was just like, whoa, this, this feels horrible. How do I shake this? So I was like, okay, let me figure out how to get this off of me. And then I remembered the way to get stuff like that off of me. And I opened my little library, and I grabbed my little Bible, and I grabbed my little spiritual warfare book, and then I went and sat down, and I spent some time with Jesus. And when I got done, I was like, whew, note to self, never do that again. So you can get yourself in certain situations, evaluate how you got there, go spend time with your father, Say, I need you to fix me up. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. You can do that. You know that, right? And once you get in his presence and you begin to say, God, help me. God, cleanse me. God, renew me. I need you. And then he said, okay, come on. Let's just, let's just talk for a little while. And you just begin to read your Bible and you just begin to talk to him and you go through. He is the best counselor. That's why we said wonderful counselor everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace, all of that. He is all of these things. But we have to begin to tap into that. We have to tap into the source. We have to say, God, I want to know you that way. I want to know you as a healer. I want to know you as a deliverer. I want to know you as a strong tower. I want to know you as a banner. I want to know you in this way. I know I read the Bible. I know that that's what they said you are. I want to know you in this way. And he is so faithful. When you come to him as his child, desiring to know, just think about it. If any of you have kids and they come to you and they say, Dad, could you tell me about that touchdown you did when you were in 11th grade? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You light up, right? You're getting ready to tell them the story. Dad, can you tell me how Mom and you met again? You light up. You tell the story. When we come to our dad and we say, can you please explain this to me? I just read this and I don't understand it. They were preaching at church today, and they said some things, and it just kind of, you know, intrigued me because I know you, but I don't know you in that way. And we get in our private space, our personal space, and we have our date with our father, and we just spend some time with him. For some of us, it may mean pulling a cup of coffee and pulling up our Bible and just sitting there and having coffee and just talking to him. However you choose to do it. The message he wanted us to get this morning is that is the beginning of wisdom. So for whatever the decision is you're about to make, please don't make it until you do this. Whatever it is you've been thinking about, whatever you've been tossing around in your head, whatever you've been going back and forth about, whatever you've been trying to figure out, please don't figure it out. Please just spend some time with the source and let him guide you so that when we make the decision, it will be one that brings him glory. He desires to get the glory out of our life. When we experience these things and we tell people about his goodness and we tell and we testify that how we were a mess, 
I delight in telling people how I was a mess. And, let me correction, am a mess. I delight in that because then they can see, then how did you get to do this, God? Well, then how did you get to inspire me that way in this, God? Then how you get to give him the glory. So trust me and believe me in this. He wants to get the glory out of your circumstance. When you come through, when you begin to testify, when you share it on Facebook, when you tell your next door neighbor, when you tell your coworker what God did for you, it's going to bring him glory. So he wants to get you through this, but you've got to spend time with him to find out the way to go. Do we receive that this morning? All right, come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are in our lives. I thank you that we no longer have to stumble around in the dark. We don't have to rely on other people's advice. God, I thank you that we have your wisdom. I thank you that we're able to trust you. You have no ulterior motives. You have amazing plans for us, plans for good, plans to bring us to an expected end that is going to be a blessing in our lives and it's going to glorify you. So, Father, help us to trust you, to fear you, to reverence you, to come to you, to want to hear what you have to say before we do anything. Father, help us to hear from you clearly when we come so that the voice of another we will not follow. Help this time that we spend with you to be refreshing and rejuvenating and renewing and everything that we need. God, we just believe by faith that this is already done and we count it as done right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the Lord.